0: So, Kaylee, what's your reaction when you hear lithium?
1: Um, oh, boy. Okay. Uh, necessary. Mm-hmm. Helpful for sure. Okay. <laughs> Problematic. Not ideal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yes, all of the above.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all of okay. the above. Um, it's, you know, this key to this clean energy that we're all looking for.
1: Yeah, I, I get that. I mean, EV batteries, solar energy storage, mm-hmm. phone, laptop batteries. I, I know that it's a big part of tackling climate change, but yeah, really imperfect.
0: Yes. And so the question this week is just how imperfect? So our listener who asked the question is Liz Cartagena from Van Ice. She's a zero waste representative for Universal Waste Systems. Wow. She drives a hybrid and she's passionate about switching out of using fossil fuels. And she's been thinking about getting an EV, but now she's thinking. Now that we're moving towards renewable energy, how... Much better is it for the environment and the environmental justice perspective um, in comparison to fossil fuels since it's still an
2: extractive process.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. This reminds me of that point that you made in our recycling episode about Mm -hmm. using water to clean out a recyclable jar. Like, if I do this one climate action, if I buy an EV, is my impact worse than buying the car that doesn't have lithium in
0: it? Yep. And this is the thing, right? We all live in fear of, like, the other side of that double-edged sword. If I do this one good thing for the climate, am I inevitably doing a bad thing on the other side? This is the Anti-Dread Climate Podcast, your practical personal guide to protecting the planet. I'm Candace Dickens-Russell, environmental educator and CEO at Friends of the L.A. River.
1: And I'm Kaylee Wells, KCRW's climate reporter. So the bad news is, yeah, extracting lithium has a negative environmental impact. And so let's start with some of those and then we'll tell you who's trying to mitigate the damage. The impacts of extraction
2: depend on several factors.
1: Sophie Parker is one of the people who's studying this. She is the Director of Science for Climate and Land Use in the California
2: chapter of the Nature Conservancy. One of the factors is the location where the extraction would occur. So you can imagine there are some places that are more environmentally sensitive, like say there's wetlands or say there's some kind of rare species there. Another factor that's really important is the type of extraction. That would occur.
0: Yes, I've heard this. So you can either explode rocks with lithium in them, mm-hmm. or suck up some underground brine that has lithium in it. Either way, there's some destruction involved. Yeah,
1: and you've named you've named the two big methods, mm-hmm. and then within that, there are more specific extraction techniques. So. For example, with the brine that you talked about, you could extract water and just let the water part evaporate Mm. so that the lithium remains, which is obviously like a huge waste of water. Mm -hmm. Or you could inject the water back into the ground, which is better. But then, you know, that comes with its own list of risks like contaminating the water table. Mm. So open pit mining, like you mentioned. And
2: essentially you could be creating a, a hole in the ground. So you can think about the impacts being direct removal of plants disturbance of soils. When it rains, there could be erosion. When it's windy, there could be dust that's that's flying. You could potentially impact the water table. You could have pollution of local streams. You know, when she lists them all off like that, it,
1: yeah. it sounds a little rough, doesn't
0: mm-hmm. it? It really does. <laughs> that sounds like all kinds of different levels of bad, but fossil fuels are also bad, right? right. Yeah,
1: exactly. Because, you know, those have to actually get burned and that's what's warming right. the planet.
0: And because getting them out of the ground is not better than lithium mining. Mm-hmm. So let's not forget about the impact of drilling and refining and transporting yeah. oil and, oh gosh, fracking. Let's not even go there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so which brings me back to Liz's question, which is, which is worse? This is what everybody wants to know, right? Which one is worse? What's the, yeah, yeah, I know. It,
1: exactly. And and this is a really important point because I happen to know personally that there are folks on Facebook who, they might be climate skeptics. And mm-hmm. so they'll share those really ugly photos of lithium extraction and be like, well, that doesn't look like a very clean energy future. But on the whole, the answer is yes, lithium is better. And this is if we're talking about an electric car versus a gas one, a solar-powered heat pump versus a gas furnace. Really, any way you slice it, lithium is the answer. The International Energy Agency did this big old report two years ago in 2021. It measured the role and impact of critical minerals in the clean energy transition, and it found... That when you include all the carbon emissions of making a car and the emissions of driving the car, Mm -hmm. like for the whole lifespan of the car, whether by gas or electricity, in a car's lifetime, the electric car, lithium and all is half as bad as a gas car.
0: Oh my goodness. And let's not forget the environmental justice aspect of all of this. When it comes to oil, it's particularly harmful to communities of color who bear an unfair burden of oil extraction. Mm -hmm. This is happening in neighborhoods, across the street from schools, outside of people's windows. And we can't ignore the environmental justice impacts of that and how that really kind of impacts everyday people. In a way that lithium isn't at this moment.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point of making, you know, especially you and I living in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. There are certain neighborhoods where you look out your window and you see those oil pumps, you know, dozens of feet from your right, mailbox. Right outside and where your kids are walking by and where you're, you know, it's just part of the community.
0: And it is, an, isn't that extractive economy has real consequences for communities that have not been able to keep that out of their communities, keep it out of their neighborhoods. And so it is an environmental justice factor that we're seeing with traditional oil.
1: Yeah. yeah. And right now with gas and coal, it is very visual mm-hmm. and obvious mm-hmm. where those things are happening. That's not really true, Of lithium yet but Mm -hmm. it could be be. Mm -hmm. so for example one of the sites where we think we could have an unbelievable amount of lithium extraction is this place called the salton sea which if you're not from southern california is this giant body of water right on the like california mexico border inland Mm -hmm. it is the most impoverished county in california it has the highest unemployment rate and right next to the salton sea there is an indian reservation And there is this rural scattered community of a few thousand people that live on the shoreline. And a lot of them are really worried about what could happen to their environment if extraction explodes there.
0: Yeah, that could be a huge environmental justice issue as well.
1: Yeah, I know. And I mean, you can tell that there is potential for it not going well. I mean, they literally call it white gold. Like there is this... Gold rush, essentially, the to be able economy. to get that. economy, exactly. Yeah.
0: So gas extraction, we know, is bad. Lithium extraction in the U.S. isn't a big industry yet, but that could maybe also work out pretty badly, too.
1: But And remember, though, we're just comparing extraction because once you extract the lithium and you refine it, it gets put into a battery. But once you extract and refine coal and gas, then that gets burned. <laughs> it gets combusted. Right, right. And that creates all of these greenhouse gases that we worry about. Mm-hmm. And if you're comparing, you know, say, coal versus solar panels and the environmental impact there, there's another group called the National Renewable Energy Lab, and they first did a study about this a decade ago Mm. and calculated that the emissions of different energy sources from cradle to grave, when you look at a solar panel, it emits about 25 times less carbon dioxide than the equivalent amount of coal. And if you're deciding between, you know, a gas furnace and a heat pump powered by solar panels... The solar panels are still emitting about 12 times less than the gases. Okay, so lithium, not ideal, but way better. What if Liz
0: wants to support lithium being extracted responsibly, like voting with her dollar? What did Sophie Parker suggest for
1: that? She did actually mention that. And it's easier to do that than it used to be, thanks to... I feel like we need some sound effect Mm -hmm. now every time I mention this. Thanks to the Inflation Reduction Act, (laughs) which is the federal government's big climate package from
2: 2022. This act has some elements in it that require that consumers gain access to rebates if that electric vehicle contains a battery that contains minerals that are sourced from the United States or from our partner countries.
1: So that means you get a cheaper electric car here in the U.S. if the lithium that powers it came from the U.S. or from one of our partner countries because they're subject to rules like from the EPA and so on. Mm -hmm. And obviously part of that is because the U.S. would like the extra revenue from, you know, mining the materials in America. But also we frequently have stricter environmental regulations. So the lithium is more ethically sourced.
0: So lithium extraction domestically is not without its problems. Right now we're actually getting lithium from this one site right in Nevada mm-hmm. and it uses that evaporation method and that uses up a, a ton of water but there are dozens of potential lithium extraction sites across the US including lots that won't have as high of an environmental impact
1: right and this is a point where i can bring up the salt and sea again because the people there are frequently already using it as a source of geothermal energy okay. which means they are bringing up this hot water extracting mm-hmm. the heat for mm-hmm. energy and then pumping the water back down and so one of the hopes there is that those companies could get into the lithium industry by piping up the hot water, extracting the lithium and piping it back down. Interesting. And so when they're just injecting water back into the ground, if you're doing it carefully, you'll have a much lower environmental impact than mm-hmm. what they're doing in Nevada, where they're evaporating all that water.
0: Got it. So cleaner lithium is definitely a possibility. Exactly.
1: Let's put that into some takeaways. So, Liz, is lithium really better than fossil fuels? Yes, but how much better really depends on how and where it's getting pulled out of the earth. Sometimes it's bad for air quality, for plants or animals or water sources. And it's always going to have some environmental impact, even when it's done as cleanly as possible.
0: But it's likely going into products that are cleaner than the alternative, an electric car or solar-powered heating pump. Plus, the environmental damage and social justice damage of an oil extraction is not trivial either.
1: Of course. And if you want to vote with your dollar look to the Inflation Reduction Act because it contains financial incentives for you to buy ethically sourced lithium-ion batteries. All right, Candace hit me with some good news. Well, I've got some good
0: news about recycling. Nice. In October in California... Uh, There was a law passed that makes it much easier for people to fix their electronics themselves. And this will help reduce the amount of electronics that go straight to the landfill. So there's Mm. this whole idea about how things start to break down and it used to be you take it to the little radio shop and get it fixed uh-huh. and now you just throw it away and buy another one on Amazon. Right. But this idea is that now people can fix their electronics themselves because of this Right to Repair Act. Okay. Well, under the new Right to Repair Act, manufacturers have to continue providing manuals, tools, and parts for any device priced over $100 for seven years after it's first produced. So say you bought a new refrigerator five years ago okay. and something breaks, right? It's a cooling yeah. mechanism or the drawer or something. But the the fridge didn't come with a manual, or you can't find the manual, or they, they stopped making the manual, uh-huh. right? And so now you can't repair it yourself, and it's harder to guide a repair person through that process. So you throw up your hands and just buy a new fridge. This makes it so that things that are produced have an ability to continue to be fixed into the more distant future, instead of just, oh, well, time to buy a new one. So okay. it kind of combats what some people call that planned obsolescence, this idea that things are kind of made to be more disposable. Uh-huh. And it helps to kind of help, hopefully, will help things be more built to last.
1: Okay. This is great news for uh, someone like me who owns a smartphone. And it seems like we hit the two-year mark and instantly something busts (laughs) and I can't fix it anymore. Or if the screen cracks, they say, well, that'll either cost $800 or you could buy this new phone instead. Right, Um, Right. I love the idea that. They will have to fix that or Or let me fix that. Right. There's some resource, right, to be able to do that.
0: So uh, now manufacturers have to provide you everything you need to fix it in terms Mm -hmm. of tools being available, the manuals being available, etc., even if it's a little bit old. This law doesn't apply to everything, like gaming consoles or alarm systems, et cetera.
1: Oh, bummer. Okay, literally my PlayStation 2 just broke. (laughs) (laughs) I want to hear more about this. Yeah, okay. (laughs) But still, this reduces the amount of electronics
0: that go to the landfill. And also, passing this law in California will influence how manufacturers make their products. So, the Android Authority newsletter reports that Google is going to start providing seven years of spare parts for their Pixel 8 phones. Mm -hmm. And that will help anyone buying their phones, whether they live in California or not.
1: Okay, yeah, that is really great news. We have reached the end of season one of the Anti-Dread Climate Podcast. But stick around because while we're off, we'll be dropping some great episodes from other climate podcasts. Please
0: share this podcast with a friend and go ahead and ask us a question at kcrw.com slash climate. I'm Candace Dickens-Russell, CEO at Friends of the LA River and Environmental Educator.
1: I'm Kaylee Wells, climate reporter at KCRW. Our executive producer is Sonia Geis. Our production assistant is Celine Mendiola. Technical director is John Meek. And our music is by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. The Anti-Dread Climate Podcast is a KCRW production.